Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you here today. How many of you are glad to be here? Do me a big favor. Let's welcome everybody that's joining with us online. Welcome to all of you. Come on, let's give them a big round of applause. If you're joining us online and you've um, been in that mode for a while, we look forward to you coming back uh, when you feel comfortable. We're doing our best uh, to, to practice many of the guidelines and we've removed half the chairs out of our auditorium, although we've got a good full house here today, and uh, which is awesome. But um, you know, we look forward to seeing you back, continue to worship along with us. We've been in a series, well, we actually just started a series last week called The Apocalyptic Church. And apocalyptic meaning um, the end times. And, and we're gonna be looking at this for a number of weeks. And apocalyptic, actually concerning revelation, means a disclosure or an uncovering. And um, this is Jesus speaking to his church and revealing some things. He's written a letter uh, through the apostle John that he's wanting to communicate to the church. And so that's what we're gonna be looking at. Um, this series has been on my heart for a number number of years, and God knew the right timing of it, that it would be for now, and it would be a now word for us. And I had originally planned on doing the overview last week, and then seven weeks addressing each of the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. But as uh, Pastor Josh and I began working this week, let me just stop and say, Pastor Josh is doing amazing in Cape Coral. Our Cape Coral campus is doing absolutely incredible. I'm so proud of that team. And uh, they're they're just doing phenomenal. The church is uh, growing. We're just seeing some great things take place there. Pastor Josh and I were working and I just sensed that there was no way that I could adequately in seven weeks really um, communicate everything that I felt like the Lord was putting on my heart. So we've now extended the series to 14 weeks. So uh, we're gonna be looking at end times, the church, the seven churches for a 14 week period. We'll take some time for Easter and Mother's Day and all that. But I'm, I'm also just thinking that we may just continue the whole series on the end times for all the rest of this year and talk about the seven seals and talk about you know Jesus coming back because Jesus is coming back. Isn't that good news? And so... I don't know, we, we may just stay in that mode. We'll see how the Holy Spirit leads us, but we may stay in the mode of just preaching on the end times for the rest of the year because I want you to be prepared. When crazy things are happening in the world, I want you to know why they're happening. And when you see something, you're like, oh, what about that and that? You'd be like, oh, I remember Pastor Ed. He preached on this and it was in Revelation. And I want you to know truth because truth sets you free. It doesn't keep you all confused. It keeps you in a place of knowing what God is doing. And God is at work in his church. Somebody say amen. Just as a reminder today, the better you amen, the better I preach. All right? All right, let's stand together. So we look at part two, the apocalyptic church. Today, I'm specifically gonna be looking at the church in Ephesus. Let's read this. It's gonna be on the screen, Ephesians, Ephesians, to the church of Ephesus. Revelation two, verse one, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Let me, let me just stop right there. 
That, that word angel in the Greek actually means messenger because you may read that and you're thinking that this is a, a supernatural being or um, you know, kind of a celestial type being or you know, is this a guardian angel, what kind of angel? No, that word angel actually means messenger or communicator. And so what Jesus is saying, this is really cool, this is gonna help you, um, to the pastor of the church in Ephesus to the messenger, to the communicator of the church in Ephesus, write these things because Jesus knew that if it was gonna be communicated to the church, it had to get in the right hands. It had to get first in the heart of the pastor and the leader. That it had to get in the right places first. And so Jesus says to the pastor, to the messenger of the church in Ephesus, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and will remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's pray. Bow your heads right where you are. Those online, join me in prayer. And just say this, Jesus, speak to me. Jesus, speak to me. Help me to tune out all the other voices that are in my head and my heart. Help me not to go through my to-do list for the week. Help me not to think about all the tasks at hand on my job or the conflict that I may have or things that are going on. But in these next moments, help me to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat if you would. I, um, I oversee a ministry called Streamline Leadership. Streamline Leadership is a ministry that helps coach other pastors, consult other pastors, church leaders, talks to, to churches about church growth. And uh, I've been in that mode now for a few years. I've been in full-time ministry 30 years. And there are so many things that God has placed on my heart that I wanted to begin to share. I wanted to begin, begin to help other pastors with. And so uh, I was able to form Streamline Leadership. And um, <clears throat> one of the things that I do is I'll, I'll go into a church and, and help assess where they are and what's taking place. And so I'll, I'll go in and a, a pastor may call me and say, Ed, can you come in? And you know, I want you to either you know, meet with me or meet with our board or our elders or our leadership team or our pastors, but would you just come in and you know, coach us on you know, church growth or different things? And, 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 and usually what a pastor will say is something like this. I want you to come in and even visit a service and I want you to come with fresh eyes. 
Meaning, I want you to come in because there are some things that we probably don't see that you'll be able to see. You guys know what I'm talking about. There are things around your house that if you had somebody come in and walk around and you were say, to say, help assess some of this, there are things that you pass by every day that you just don't see anymore. For example, you get out of your car in your garage and you know your garage is trashed, but you just walk right past it. You don't even see, anymore, see it anymore. You have that one room that, you know, you, you love to put stuff in and, you know, even just crack and open that door, you just pass by and you look in that room and that room's just, you know, it's just in disarray, but, but it's been that way for so long, you don't even notice it anymore. I'm embarrassed to say this. I'll let you in my world a little bit. I've been really, my, my wife has been so proud of me. I've been tackling some good home projects and I'm terrible at home projects. I'm just, I'm horrible when it comes to drywall repair. She does that. I don't do that. I'm, I'm just terrible with tools in my hand. But, but I've started to get a little more savvy and I'm fixing some plumbing stuff and fixing, you know, some, some electrical things. And so I'm doing some of that. But we have this one particular bathroom and uh, there was a little patchwork that was done and it's been almost a year. We just haven't painted it over yet. And it's like we've got used to seeing it. It just needs to be painted a little bit. But because, you know, we, we, we've just been in that mode, we just, it's like I, I just bypass it. I don't even see it anymore. That, that's what's happening here is Jesus is walking in to the church with fresh eyes. He, he's wanting the church to maybe see some things or discover some things that they haven't seen or that they've just passed over. You know, I heard about a, a church janitor one time and what they did is somebody went into the bathroom but the stalls were locked. And the, they, they went to the church janitor and they said, hey, can you help us? You know, the stalls are locked. And, and, and he said, oh yeah, I did that because I cleaned them and I don't want them to get messed up. Now help me understand this. You know, it's, it's like they're missing the point. And so Jesus, in Revelation chapter two, we're gonna see this in all the churches, Jesus begins to walk through and he begins to walk among the churches. And he's looking at them and he's evaluating them. And, and he goes to this first church in the church of Ephesus. And, and Ephesus was an important church. And a, a couple of books earlier before Revelation, a few, few books earlier, we, we read about the church in Ephesus, the Ephesians. The church in Ephesus was planted by Paul and Paul loved the church at Ephesus. You know, Ephesus was a unique city. Ephesus was a desirable place to live. Ephesus was the Southwest Florida, everybody wanted to go there. People wanted to live there. People wanted to be around that. Uh, Ephesus was a gateway city to many of the other cities and communities in Asia Minor. It was also a gateway church for the other churches in Asia Minor. And many scholars even believe that it was out of Ephesus that these other churches were planted that we're gonna read about. So Ephesus was a really big deal. A lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of coffee shops, a lot of places to hang out. Chick-fil-A was prevalent. 
I mean, there was commerce. There was, you know, building that was taking place. If you were a somebody, you came out of Ephesus. And if you wanted to be a somebody, you went to Ephesus to get educated and, and to kind of receive the, the, the cultural um, kind of, you know, enigma that was them. And, 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 and people went to Ephesus. And, and one of the big things about Ephesus also is it was the center for the pagan worship of the goddess Artemis. Artemis was the goddess of fertility. And the worship of this pagan god in Ephesus ran rapid. So much centered around the worship of this pagan goddess and, and to the point where there was this magnificent temple that was built and, 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 and even this temple to Artemis was one of the seven great wonders of the ancient world. And so if you can just imagine the climate of what goes on or, or kind of what happens around the worship of this goddess Artemis that is the goddess of fertility, there was rampant, rampant, rampant sexual immorality that was taking place. This paganism. So although everybody wanted to live in Ephesus, I mean, there it was filled with immorality. It was filled with greed. It was filled with people pushing other people trying to get to the top. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus plants a church through Paul in Ephesus and says that in spite of a culture that is like this, I'm gonna put a church right there and I'm gonna make that place a beacon and a light to impact the world. The church of Ephesus is planted. Paul says this as he writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter six, verse 23. He said this, these are his last two verses talking to the church in Ephesians. He said, in Ephesus, he said, peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with, help me out, an undying love. This church was planted, and Paul said this about this church. He said, one of the things that separates you from everybody else is this undying love. You love Jesus with all of your heart. Now we fast forward 30 years. John is on the island of Patmos, exiled, when he receives this revelation from Jesus, Jesus tells him, sit down, John, write the things that you see and hear. And Jesus begins to walk among these churches. Jesus said this 30 years later concerning Ephesus. He said, I know your deeds, and your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Jesus said, there are some amazing things that are happening, and I wanna share six things with you about the church of Ephesus. And I've actually borrowed these from Dr. David Jeremiah. I listened to an incredible message from him. And rather than me trying to just come up with it on my own, I just felt like he articulated it so well. Here, here are just a few things about the church of Ephesus 
The first thing is they were a dynamic church. I mean, this was a model church. This particular church had more Instagram followers than anybody else. This church, they streamed all of their services. This is the church that everybody talked about. This is the church that is kicking out worship. This is the church that is kicking out resources. They're doing all these different things. They were a dynamic church, the model church, and they were also a powerful church. When this church was planted, we go back and, and we see the power that was there when, when 12 men came to, to Paul and and Paul said to him, he said, you know, they, they received Christ. And Paul said, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we don't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We just know about the baptism of John. Paul said, well, let me tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He laid hands on them. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit and with power. That's the church of Ephesus. They were dynamic, powerful church. They did great works. And Jesus was delighted in these works. Jesus wasn't criticizing them for, for the works that they did. But when it comes to works, we are not saved by good works. Let me try that again over here. We're not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. We're saved for good works. I don't work and serve Jesus because I have to, but because I want to. When you consider all the things that he's done in my life, when I stop and I take a moment and reflect, there's nothing that I've done anyway that could do anything to somehow earn my salvation. Doesn't matter how many messages that I've preached. I'm saved for good works, not by good works. This church, they were a dynamic church. Secondly, they were a dedicated church. Man, they were steadfast. They were a hard-working church. When it was church work day, everybody showed up, like here. I'm just joking. <laughs> everybody showed up. The pastor called, hey, you know, Timothy was the pastor, and, and, and Timothy said, hey, we're gonna have a church work day. Everybody showed up. Everybody wanted to participate. Everybody, they were, they were all dedicated. They, they were hardworking. They worked to the point of exhaustion. Man, they labored hard. They were a dedicated church. They were dedicated people, and they were also a determined church. They persevered. Jesus said, man, you guys are doing amazing. You know what perseverance is about. You know what patience is about. You know what suffering is about. They, they, they were, I mean, th this church, they were tough as nails when difficult things came. Man, they were tough. And not just tough, but they knew how to advance. They knew how to move forward. It's, you know, we're in football season right now. Anybody excited about any of the games today? Any of the games yesterday, you know, I mean, and, and so, I, you know, I mean, this is a team for, uh, you know, all the football people here, they knew how to take the ball and move it down the field despite opposition. And they could advance, tough, rugged. They were determined. They were also a very disciplined church. They did not tolerate evil. When it came time to sign up for a Bible study, the whole church signed up for a Bible study. Everybody signed up for a Bible study. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Oh, Pastor Ed, let's just move on. We don't want to talk about it. Come on, just. Now, they, were, they were disciplined. They got excited. They're like, where's the catalog? I want to sign up for a Bible study. All, Pastor Angie, all the groups were filled. They had to get additional leaders. Man, everybody. They, they were a disciplined church, even despite the pressure to conform. They lived in this, this spiritual climate where, 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 they, where compromise just was all over the place. And we're going to see this next week. There, there was a group called the Nicolaitans, and, and the Nicolaitans came, came in. And, and what the Nicolaitans tried to do within the church is they came in as, as these religious leaders, but they came in, and, and what they taught is it's okay to have your, your, your church life over here, but it's also permissible to kind of worship over here in the pagan temple of Artemis. And so it's okay to mix this a little bit and mix that a little bit and, you know, dabble in this a little bit and dabble in that a little bit. But the problem is they were dabbling here and dabbling there and they ended up right in the middle. That's what they were teaching. And we're going to see a church called Laodicea that ended up in the middle, in the middle ground that had just enough of Jesus to make them miserable in the world and just enough of the world in them to make them miserable in Jesus. In the middle. Let me just stop right here. God hasn't called his church to the middle ground. He's called you and I. He's called you and I to advance his cause and his purpose. And the pressure to conform is greater than ever before. It is okay to be a church member and, and, and be over here and follow Jesus and serve Jesus, but it's, it's okay to dabble in sexual, sexual immorality. It's okay to live over there and live over there. And, 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 and people live in a state of misery because they never live victorious. Ephesus they were a disciplined church. They weren't like a lot of other places. And they were also a discerning church. They, they didn't buy into everything or everyone that came in with some kind of teaching. It's a little bit different in the church today, but how quickly we buy in to things that we see online or on social media I can't tell you how many times that I'll, I'll get something, uh, you know, on the messenger ad or something. And, and if you send me stuff now, just so you know, I'm not on social media right now. But, but it, it used to just be constant. Oh, you, you got to see this video of this person talking about this. Oh, this, this person's saying this, this person's saying, and, and, and I listen to some of it. And, and, and I'm not saying all, I'm just, there are certain things that I hear and I'm like, where are these people coming up with some of this? Because I search sometimes, I'm like, well, where's that in the Bible? But this church was a discerning church. They didn't buy into everything they heard. That's why I think it's gonna be so good for us to dig into the book of Revelation this year. And that way we don't buy into everything so that when we see signs of the Antichrist coming, we'll be like, oh, there we go. We're not just buying into all the rhetoric. We know truth and the truth sets free. 
this was a discerning church. Look at this. I mean, you talk about a model church. Jesus said, you guys are amazing. They, They were a dynamic church. They were a dedicated church. They were a determined church. They were a disciplined church. They were a discerning church, but they were also a declining church. Jesus said, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. Another version says, you've forsaken your first love. Outwardly, they were doing all the right things. Inwardly, they had serious heart trouble. Do you realize that you can do ministry and never have a relationship with Jesus? You, you know, I, I, I've been, I, I mean, I, I share with you, I've been in ministry 30 years and, and um, I, I can just tell you that I could go through the motions and not even have a relationship with Jesus and still get up here and preach and teach. It's possible to do the right things and still miss it altogether. It's possible to, to, to come to church or sign up for groups and do, do all the right things. And I, you think you're doing all, and, and to completely miss your relationship with Jesus. I remember years ago having a man come to me. He was one of our ushers. He came to me just weeping. He said, Pastor Ed, I've been a believer for 40 years. I serve every single weekend and I don't know Jesus. He'd been in church, had been serving Jesus, yet had no relationship. And here's how that happens. It's when familiarity overshadows intimacy. We become so familiar. We become so used to, here's another way of saying it. We start to take it for granted. We start to take our love for Jesus for granted. We start to neglect our love for Jesus. We forsake our first love in Jesus. You know, it's like the wife who went to the husband and, and she said, honey, you, 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 you don't tell me you love me anymore. Honey, I, you know, it's been all these years. You, you never tell me you love me anymore. And he said, what are you talking about? Well, you, you, you know, you don't say it. I just never hear you say it. He said, well, when we got married, I told you I loved you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> Jesus, I love you. If I change my mind, I'm going to church. I'm doing, the, I'm doing a lot of the right things. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. Or, or the wife that went to her husband and said, you know, what happened? You don't tell me you love me anymore. You used to tell me how much you loved me and, and you used to tell me that you loved me so much that you wanted to gobble me up. He said, well, I guess I've lost my appetite. Have we lost our appetite? Have we lost our passion for Jesus? One of the things that I, I, I love is a couple weeks ago, we, we've got an amazing safety team. People that are in the room right now, you can't identify them, but there are people in the room that are watching everything that's taking place in the room, making sure that you're safe. There are people out in our lobby right now and in our children's ministry that are making sure your kids are safe. 
They're watching every single person that's going in and out of the doors. And, and our safety team, I, I, one of the things that I saw a couple of weeks ago, I was like, my heart just erupted because I saw people on our safety team that were in worship. They were like worshiping Jesus. They had not allowed their ministry of serving to get in their way of their intimacy for Christ. Man, they were just going after Jesus. It wasn't like, oh, we got to have time for this house. Man, they were loving on Jesus. The reason they're involved in the safety team and the reason that we have greeters, the reason people are ministering to your kids right now, the reason, reason we have an amazing worship team, the reason we do all of those things is not because we have to, but it is the overflow of our love for Jesus. It's the overflow of what Jesus is. You see, the church at Ephesus, they had gone from relationship to religion. If we do not love God faithfully, we will never serve him fervently. Love, you know, love is the first mark of a living church. We are not a living church if we are not a loving church. We love first. I mean, it's, it's the first part of our vision and mission statement, and it's not ours, it's God's. Our vision and mission statement has nothing to do with, with something we've conjured up. It comes straight from the word. Somebody asked Jesus, what's the most important command? He said, well, really, it's easy. Love the Lord with your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. If we don't love God and love others, all the other stuff that we do are just good works. They're good things. I'm not saying they're bad things that happen. No, no, no. There's, there's a lot of good things that still take place. That was what Jesus was saying. A lot of good things that were happening, but let's not forget the most important thing. The reason why we exist is to glorify God. The reason why we exist is to love God with all of our hearts. The reason God created us was for fellowship and to glorify him. I read a quote, I don't know who it's from, so I'm gonna take it. If you quote it, just say, this is Pastor Ed, because I couldn't find the author for this. I was on my way to the Savior when I ran into serving. And I got into serving, and I never got to the Savior. Let's just take a moment today and evaluate. Where are we? Have I lost my first love? Is, is my passion for Jesus the same as it was when I first gave my life to Christ? G. Campbell Morgan tells of a friend of his who had a little daughter that he dearly loved. They were great friends, the father and daughter. They were always together. But there seemed to come an estrangement on the child's part. The father could not get her company as he had formerly done. She just seemed to shun him. If he wanted to, her to walk with him, she always had something else to do. And the father was grieved and could not understand what the trouble was. 
his birthday came. And in the morning, his daughter came to his room, her face radiant with love. She handed him a present. And opening the present, he found a pair of exquisitely made slippers. The father said, my, my child, it was so good of you to buy me such lovely slippers. Oh, father, she said, I did not buy them. I made them for you. Looking at her, he said, I, I think I understand now what has long been a mystery to me. Is this what you have been doing for the last three months? Yes, she said, but how did you know how long I've been working on them? He said, because for three months now, I have missed your company and your love. I have wanted you with me, but you have been too busy. These, <laughs> these are beautiful slippers, but next time, buy your present and let me have you. I would rather have my child herself than anything she can make for me. In the same way, Jesus looks at every single one of us here today and all of those that are joining with us online. And he says this, I want you. I want you first. I want you more than what you're doing for me. Oh, it's great. I'm so, I'm so blessed by your faithfulness. I'm so blessed that you show up and that you have grit. I'm so blessed that you sign up for Bible studies. I, I'm so blessed that you're getting to know the word. I'm, I'm blessed by all of those things, but, but I miss your love. You know, there's a real danger when we get so busy and striving as active Christians that we become absorbed in our tasks and duties and the efforts of church. Jesus says, I want you. I miss your love. Christy and I, almost 33 years being married. When we got married, I remember when she would come around and I would be in a group and I may not see her yet, but somebody would say something like, hey, Christy's coming. Or I would hear somebody call out her name, say, hey, Christy. And, 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 and when I would hear her name, something inside of me before we got married, just like, they're just these little butterflies. I'd start looking for her. Now, 33 years later, that feeling hasn't passed. It's only grown. Anytime I hear her name, I'm like, well, where's she, where she at? She walked into my, my green room earlier today for, for service. And she, when she walked in, my, my heart just said, oh, there she is. Man, she's gorgeous. I mean, she's beautiful. Like, my heart was just like, oh, I got butterflies in my stomach. Have we lost that feeling when it comes to Jesus? That when we hear his name, when we get in presence with him and when his presence is around us, have we neglected and have we just got used to it and lost our appetite for loving him? Would you stand with me? I think about the words of that song, filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. I'm praying and asking God today to fill us with that same kind of a wonder. That, that we will be in awe 
that, that when we encounter him, when we get in a worship experience or we encounter him at home, that there is an awe that we feel, that we are awestruck in his presence because of the love that we have for him. This amazing love for God so loved the world that God poured his spirit out on my life. And this amazing love that I have, I have to be expressive. I have to worship him. I have to praise him. Do you remember what it was like when you first gave your life to Jesus and when you got in worship, you were like this? And then maybe some of you have gone from this to... Because we've got mature. We've grown. Or have we lost our childlike faith? Have we lost that sense of, of, of wanting to be with Jesus because we're working to make him the slippers? He's like, no, 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 no. Just buy them for me. I want you. Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. Would you just close your eyes with me just for a moment? Say, Jesus, help me to fall in love with you all over again. Come on, just in your own way. Just You can even use my same words if you just want to repeat and say it with me. Jesus, help me to fall in love with you. Lord, I have lost my first love. I've lost my first love. I've, I, I, I feel like I am neglecting you. I'm, I'm doing a lot of the right things, but my heart has become calloused. My worship has diminished. My passion for you is a little bit lost, but I thank you that you're helping me to rediscover that today. You're helping ignite a new fire on the inside. Bring me back to my first love. Draw me back to my first love here today. Come on, would you just worship with us? Let's just sing this, come on. Allow to stir in your heart today.
we love you. Jesus, we love you. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, help us take this fire and this passion and this love for you now out into the community. God, help us. Everybody that's watching online, pray it with me. Jesus, help me to take this fire out into the world. If you need special prayer today, our prayer team is going to be here to pray with you and agree together with you. I want you to know we love you, care about you. If you need prayer, let us pray with you. I'm believing God for miracles in your life this week. That this week, there's somebody here today that needs a miracle in your life. Man, if I, if I don't hear from God, I pray that God's voice would be loud and clear that even this afternoon that you would see the manifestation of a miracle in your life. I believe that there's somebody here even today and you just lost your job on Friday and you don't know what to do next. You don't have any savings. You don't have money for next month. I want to tell you God's in control and he sees you and he hears you and there's a door that's getting ready to open for you. Would you just lift your hands? Father, I pray a blessing over every single person here. I pray that you would bless them in every area of their life. God, strengthen them in their relationships, God, minister to them. I pray that they would so clearly hear you this week. And Lord, all throughout the week, I pray that they would enjoy a rich fellowship with you, a loving relationship with you like they never have before. Bring us back to our first love. Help us not to miss next week, Lord. Bring us back in celebration as we worship Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Big shout out to everybody joining us online. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.